Thank you for listening to the Vantage Point Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. Well, I'm excited because we are in week three of our series, uh, of our summer series called Summer Playlist. And what we do here around the summertime is we like to take the summer and we have an extended period of time to kind of go a little bit deeper into scripture. And so this summer we are diving into the book of Psalms. And so our summer playlist, and it's been a lot of fun. We're looking at the songs of scripture and the songs of our lives. And so, you know, we recognize that there are different songs in your life that just really capture a moment. They take you back to a memory. They speak to us. And songs, they don't just bring us back, but many times they can also bring us through. So this morning, if you have a Bible handy, you can turn to Psalm 73. Psalm 73, that's kind of where we're going to be um, just landed at this morning. If you don't have a Bible, we're also going to have the verses on the screen in just a moment. But as you're getting there, uh, I want to play a modern song that I kind of think really captures the heart of, uh, of this psalm. And I just want to prepare you. It's a very, it's a very reverent song, and it's, it's maybe in worship. I'm not, I don't know if I'd say worshipful, but it's, it's a reverent song, and I think it really um, speaks to the psalm we're going to be looking at this morning. So let's play that song real quick. You know I wish that I had just You can sing it if you want. Oh, woman. Okay. <laughs> uh, is it okay to have fun in church? I like to have fun once in a while. I think it's okay. If not, you know, there are other, other churches that they do their thing. But we're going to do us, okay? We're vantage point. Okay. <laughs> I wish that I had Jesse's girl. Let me ask you, have you ever found yourself wanting something that someone else had? You know, it could be maybe their position. Maybe, you know, at work they have a position that you want. Maybe it's, it's their lifestyle. You know, the car or the house or, or you know, their, their countertops are, are made of a certain material. You want their countertops. Or I said earlier, ladies, but then I realized, you know, that doesn't really apply anymore. Shoes, because there's some guys that are all about the shoes as well. You know who you are. Uh, you, know, you, you envy people's shoes. It could be their talent. You see someone has a lot of talent, and I'm like, man, they just have natural ability. You wish you had natural ability like they have, or, or maybe even just someone's personality. You know, there's certain people, they're just, they're so easygoing, and they're confident. Uh, or maybe it's the opposite. Like, you always, like, stick your foot in your mouth. You talk too much. You're too loud. I'm like, man, she's so put together. She's so, just so calm. You know what I'm saying? <clears throat> and you kind of want what somebody else has. And if we're honest, sometimes we even wonder, why do they have what they have? Like, we look at them, their, their lives, what we know them, like, is that even right that they have that thing? You know, like, here, here's the thing. You know, we honestly, we, we really don't know that much about Jesse, do we? You know? Like, the song says he's a good friend of his, but we don't know. Maybe Jesse's that kind of guy that is constantly sending you invites on social. It's like, no, Jesse, I don't want to help you get to the next level of Candy Crush. You know? Maybe Jesse's a one-upper. You know, every time you, you tell a story, they have to tell a story a little bit bigger than yours. Like, we're going to the coast for, in a couple weeks. Oh, really? Or we're going to Hawaii for a month. <laughs> Thank you for that. Okay. Maybe they're a smacker. Maybe Jesse was a smacker. You, you know what I'm talking about? Like, when he, when he eats, he always smacks his mouth. I'm like, oh. Or maybe he just wore socks with sandals. We're not really sure, but... No judgment here. But you, you find yourself looking at people and thinking, she's with him? Why? 
why is she with him and not with me? And this is where the psalmist finds himself. <laughs> We're going to get there. You're like, is he going to bring up the Bible ever? Yes. In Psalm 73, this is where he finds himself. Let's take a look at this psalm together. <clears throat> Starting in verse 1, it says this. It says, surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold, for I envied the arrogance when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. So here he is. You know what's going on here is the psalmist, he's looking around at all the Jesses of the world. He's looking at them like, like, really? Look at their lives. This doesn't make any sense. Look at these guys. He goes on to say, verse 4, they have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They look amazing. In fact, I don't know what translation you have. There, there's one translation. It says, they're fat and sleek. Their bodies are fat and sleek. Which, like, first of all, I don't even know how that works. I mean, you know, maybe it's one of those things, and you know who these people are. Like, they can just eat whatever they want and they never gain a pound, or they always look amazing, and you, you, you kind of hate them just a little bit. And you, know, you have that conversation we get to have with a guy like, Why? They make, they're fat and sleek. I, I don't even get it. <clears throat> Verse 5. They are free from common human burdens. They're not plagued by human ills. Like, everything works out for them. Everything seems to just come easy to them. Like, like you're freaked out about something, and they're just like, they don't even care. Like, oh, no, I'll be okay. Like, you're not worried about that? No, it's all good. And it just, like, falls into place for them. It's like, really? Oh. Anyhow, I'm getting myself worked out. <laughs> He goes on to describe in the verses that follows as, as proud, as, as big talkers. They're, they're braggers, always bragging. They cut corners, and, and they seem to get away with it. They have no regard for, for people or for God. I think maybe the worst thing is this, verse 10. It says, therefore, the people turn to them and drink up all they say. Like, people just listen to them. People are just drawn, and they just... They just taking whatever story they have to say. People just seem to, to listen to these people and just believe whatever they have to say. Verse 12. This is what the wicked are like, always free of care. They go about amassing wealth. Their life seems to just get better and better. Meanwhile, look at verse 14. I get nothing. <laughs> wow, he's having a bad day. I get nothing but trouble all day long. Every morning brings me pain. He's saying, God, I don't get it. I don't get it. Like, here I am. I'm trying to do things right. I'm trying to get my family back in church. I'm trying to, to honor you, God. I'm trying to live according to the scriptures. I'm trying to do all these things. And yet it feels like it's not working out for me. I do the right thing over and over and again, but I never seem to get ahead. And yet for them, they have it easy. And this all leads to the conclusion he has, verse 13. It says, surely in vain... <laughs> Surely in vain I've kept my heart pure and have washed my hands in innocence. And so he starts to wonder, and, and maybe we've wondered the same thing, if we're being honest, at some time. He wonders, why am I doing all this? Why am I working so hard? Why am I living my life so different from, from my friends or my relatives or the people at work? Why have I sacrificed so much? I, I deny myself. People mistreat me, and I just I, I turn the other cheek. I go the extra mile. I'm doing all these things that Scripture talks about. And if I look at my life, I look at my situation, it doesn't really feel like it's making a difference. It doesn't really feel like things are working out for me. 
Verse 15. But if I would have spoken out like that, I would have betrayed your children. It's almost like he catches himself. Like he's, he's having this, this conversation with himself. Where he's actually writing these things down. And he gets to the, you ever just like, you're saying something, and all of a sudden it's like, I can't believe I just said that. I, I don't mean that. But I just said that. It's like, wow, I didn't, I didn't even realize I thought that way. You know, it, it's like, it's like he didn't even realize that, that, that these thoughts are going in his head. I think sometimes we have thoughts floating around our, our, our minds we're not even aware of. You know, we don't even realize they're there. And so here's the thing. That's why journaling is so important. You know, we talked about this last week. Journaling, writing out your prayers, or even just praying out loud. Because what happens is we don't realize that, that silent thoughts can echo so loudly in our lives. Right, you go wrong just carrying a mindset, carrying a thought, and it, it, it influences how we live life. And we're not even aware of it. It's just kind of playing in the background, influencing our life. Silent thoughts echo loudly in our lives. And sometimes just writing them down reveals what we've been thinking all along. It's like, wow, I didn't even realize that was there. <clears throat> Let's bring it back to the beginning. Because he kind of shows us where he's at right in the beginning of this psalm. So look at verse 1. It says, Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, <laughs> do you see what's going on here? He says, Surely God is good to Israel. I believe God is good, right? Like, that's what I believe. I know that God is good. But as for me, he's saying, Well, you know, my experience has been different. Like, I, I, of course, I believe God is good. God is good. But in my life, I don't feel like it's playing out. His expectation is that God is good to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my experience doesn't match that. What do we do with that? What do we do when our experiences don't seem to match our expectations? I mean, some of you experienced that already. You know, you raised your kids to know the Lord. You follow what Scripture says. You know, train up a child in the way that they should go. When they're old, they won't depart from it. So your expectation is they would be serving to God today as an adult. They would be in church, but they're not. Your expectation, we, we put God first in our finances. We honor God in our finances, and we were faithful and tithing and giving. And so we just, we didn't expect the financial downturn to affect us as hard as it did. We waited to, for marriage. We waited till we were married to, to, to have sex. And so we expected that, that our marriage relationship would, would be a little bit easier. We wouldn't have some of the same difficulties. And, and yet we found some real struggles. I know that God's good. It just doesn't seem like he's good to me. What do we do with that? And this is exactly where the psalmist finds himself. He's in the same place. <clears throat> Verse 16. When I try to understand all this, it troubled me deeply. When I tried to, man, I feel like this is where we're at right now. When I tried to, to understand everything that was going on in the world around me, it troubled me deeply. I think that's the appropriate response to when we see wickedness unchecked. I think that's the appropriate response when we see injustice. In fact, if we're not deeply troubled, I think there's something wrong with us. Over the last couple of weeks, I've seen this and I've, 
I've been thinking and I've been hearing different voices on all different sides and asking, how should I respond? What should I say? And, and I'll be honest, I, I, I've been troubled. And I'll just say this so, so it's clear. Black people matter to God. Black people are important. Black people are made in the image of God. And I don't think there should be anything controversial about that. And anytime any person feels rejected or feels um, hurt or for whatever reason, it, it should break our hearts, right? When I saw this, I, I didn't understand what to do with it, and I was deeply troubled until I entered the sanctuary of God. You know, I'd say this. I think sometimes for us, be deeply troubled, not understanding, but when we come into God's presence, that's when we understand how we should respond. I think, I think our response is going to be more personal. I think God's going to show each of us how to respond in individual conversations and in our own heart and how we, we respond. But he goes on to say this. Till I entered the sanctuary of God, then I understood their end. And, and it may not be super helpful in the moment, but we have to recognize God says, I will deal with this in the end. I will set everything right that went wrong. I will deal with wickedness in the end. But until then, there's some principles that the, the psalmist kind of lays out for us. And I want us to catch this. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. One of the key principles is this, is where we start determines what we see. Where we start determines what we see. See, because, and we know this in the natural, we know this in so many areas of our lives, where we start is important. You know, if you're planning on going to Tahoe, you're going to do a camping trip, what, I, I, you can't anyhow, but, um, but if you wanted to, if you're going to, and you started out on Highway 50 going west, it doesn't matter how much planning you did, it doesn't matter how much packing you did, you're not going to, you're not going to get to where you want to be, where you start matters. I experienced this with, you know, homeschooling the kids over this season, trying to help my kids with math. And, and just the, yeah, feel for me. The frustration, you know, I'm like trying to figure out these problems and, and they kept getting the wrong answers. And, and it turns out because they weren't starting from the right place. You know, most of them, if you don't start on the left-hand side, you're, you're not going to get where you need to be. If you, if you don't start from the right place, you're not going to get the right answers. Because where we start determines what we see. And, and we know this in the natural, but it happens in our own lives. Though I think we have this natural tendency that we want to start from our present. You know what I'm saying? Like, like we want to start from, from what's going on in our lives right now. We look at our finances currently. We look at the relationship we're in right now. We look at this present moment. And yet God invites us to see not from our present, but from his presence. Right? We want to look from our present. God wants us to see from his presence. When I entered the sanctuary of God, the presence of God, then I understood. Do you know what I'm learning? And, and this whole situation, like over the last few months with, with the coronavirus and, and all the things going on there and then the issues that have been happening over the last couple weeks, if I start in the natural, I get very frustrated, right? Because I'm listening to different voices and I'm hearing these theories and, and one is saying this and one is saying that and it's, it's conflicting and, and I get irritated. <laughs> you, you probably know who you are. You're probably, there's probably some of you out there too as well. Um, but here's the thing. What I've been learning is... I don't process very well outside the presence of God. I don't. Because I either, I either weigh in emotionally or I weigh in all on this intellectual side, and I just I don't get the response. I don't get the spirit-led, like we talked about in that song, that spirit-led response 
that I want to have. I get stuck in the present. When God says, I want to give you an eternal perspective. In fact, it's, it's kind of like this. I remember a few years back, um, my wife was having a, a, a significant birthday. And um, we just, <laughs> why are you laughing? Right? You got to be careful how you word these things. Um, <laughs> filter, filter. Um, so anyhow, I decided we're, I was going to do this trip, and we're going to go on a cruise. And so this is something we'd always wanted to do. We're going to go on this cruise. It was going to be awesome, looking at all the details and making all these plans. And it was going to be amazing. And it was kind of a jump for us. It was a little more spendy than, than trips we had done before. Um, but I arranged everything, and I even got our plane tickets so that we would fly out, and we would be there in Florida a day early because you don't want to miss the boat, right? Well, the day of our trip, there were some complications, and we ended up missing our first flight. And so here I am, I'm all panicked and upset, and I'm, I'm talking to the person at the desk, and I'm getting on, on the phone with customer service, and I have to rebook a flight, and it's just more money than I want to spend. And then we have to drive to the nearest uh, airport, which is two and a half hours away, and we fly out the next day. And so I remember the next day, like, we're on the plane, and it's one of those planes where it's going to Florida, and everyone on the plane is obviously going on a cruise, and they're all excited and all happy. And, and, but here I'm in my, in my seat, I'm frustrated. I'm like, gosh, I can't believe I had to pay that, and I can't believe this happened. And, and I'm going through the whole, all the details. My wife had to snap me back into reality. I said, honey, honey. Look at where we're going. Look at what we're going to. See, what happened is I got so focused on what I was going through, I forgot what I was going to. I forgot what I, and we have that tendency, don't we? Right? We, we get so focused on what we're going through, and we forget what, what God has us going to. Because here's, here's the thing. Those who are wicked, those who are, are living apart from God, not, not seem to have a care or a consequence in the world, we have to recognize that the reality is this. This, is, this life, these few brief years, is as good as it gets for them. It really is. This is the, the best that they can expect. But those who put Christ first, these few brief years, as bad as they may seem, are the worst it's ever going to be for us. Right? They look at what we're, not just what we're going through, but what we're going to. The psalmist says it like this. He says, they're like a dream. When one awakens. You ever had those dreams where it feels so real? You know what I'm saying? Like in the dream it feels like maybe it's been like six months and you wake up and you realize it's been six minutes. You know? Fantasies it says. We realize that, that we've been envying a dream. People who build their lives and they have all these things who look at what they have, what they want. And, and we've been envying just a dream. I think it's interesting. Mother Teresa said it like this. She said, you know, compared to heaven... Our time on earth, when we get to heaven, it's all going to appear like just one bad night at a poor inn, you know? Like, think about it. You, you, go, you go stay at a hotel, and it's not very good, and, like, you know, the, the water's not working, and, and the, the AC is just really loud. and doesn't put out much cold air, and your wife is freaked out because she thinks there's bed bugs, and so you check the bed, like, 16 times. Just me? Okay. Um, but in the end, it's all just one, one bad night in an inn. In the end... You know, it's, what we've gone through is over. We realize what we're going to. I'll give you one more quick illustration. Uh, I guess John Wesley told this originally, but I'm going to make it from modern times. It would be like this. Imagine if you got a phone call and a long-lost relative that you didn't even know uh, had left an inheritance for you. And they said, you just have to come down to the bank and sign the papers, and it'll be millions of dollars 
for you, right? And so what do you do? You hop in your car, your old junky car, and you're driving down the road, and the AC's not working, and it's making that weird noise. As you're driving, are you envying the cars around you? No, we're, we're not envying the cars around us. And then you're driving to the bank, and your car breaks down like a half mile from the bank. You just, what do you do? You hop out the car, you just skip the rest of the way to the bank, right? Because we're not focused on what we're going through. Our focus is on what we're going to. And as we as believers, we could, if we could capture that, we could live by that, our whole perspective would be different. So the songwriter, he recognizes this. And listen to what he says, verse 21. Then I realized that my heart was bitter, you think? And I was all torn up inside. I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. You know, a picture I kind of get, kind of acting like a, just like a wild animal. I think of my children. Not just not, not my children, children in general, right? I think of kids in a grocery store when they're asking for a piece of candy. Can we get this piece of candy? Have you ever been in this situation with your own kids? Or maybe you do this and you... Not today. Ah! Right? Like the tantrum starts, the kicking, the screaming. If they're, you know, real impressive, they throw themselves on the ground. And, you know, and you're like looking around like, whose kid is this? Like, I was just reaching for a box of cereal. I'm going to go on the next aisle. I have no idea. Right? Throwing a tantrum like that, all to find out that when you get home, there were hot fudge sundaes waiting for them. The reason you said no to the little bit of candy was because you knew that at home there was hot fudge sundaes waiting. See, what we do is we want to look around from the present. We look at what people are doing and the things people have, and and we kind of get this, this feeling like, well, it feels like God is keeping something good from me. Right? Like, like this person, they're getting married or they have kids or they have the house or the career that I want. They, ha- they have the things I want, the body that I want. They're doing these things. And it feels like God's keeping something from me. But when we look not from our present moment, but we look from God's presence, what we recognize is God is not keeping us. He's not keeping anything good from us. Actually, what he's doing, he's keeping us for something better. He's keeping us for something better. And we may not realize that until years down the road. Think of that. There's another song. Sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers. Does anybody, it's a country song. Guy goes to the fair. He runs into an old girlfriend. And he's very grateful that his prayers weren't answered because he would have been married to that girl. And anyhow, okay? Like, God has something better for us, but we might not see it until down the road. Okay. Verse 23. He says, yet... I'm always with you, and you hold me by my right hand. This this is amazing. God is such a good parent that when we are acting a fool in this store, God is still there. He doesn't abandon us. He holds our hand. Even when we're acting like complete idiots, God does that. It's amazing. And look what it goes on to say that he does. Verse 24, you guide me with your counsel, and afterward, you'll take me into glory. He's reframed his focus. He's he's looking not at what he's going through, but what he's going to. Verse 25, whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. Finally, he's recognized that, God, you're really what I want. I thought I wanted these things. I thought I wanted this position. I thought I wanted to look this way or to have A, B, and C. But now I recognize, God, really, it's none of those things. It's it's you. Man, we, we could get that. I mean, look at some of these celebrities. They blow up their lives. They, they have everything we, we are told that we should want. And yet they get there and they realize it's not that. 
It, it, it's God. He recognizes that. Verse 26. He says, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. He says, he, he says my, my flesh and my heart may fail, but let's be honest. You know, unless Jesus returns, you know, your flesh and your heart, they're going to fail. Right? We all, we're going to grow old. You know, some, you're very focused on your image, on, on your looks, on your figure. I know, like I am, you know, like when you look like this, you want to like keep looking like this. Why are you laughing? Okay. Your figure is going to fade. Your career that, that, you know, with all the trappings and the title and the respect people give you, someday you're going to retire. That's going to be over. Your, your flesh is going to fail and your heart. It's going to fail. Those things are going to happen. Your career. Um, these things that we, we put so much in. Some, it's your kids. We're so focused on our kids being perfect, having the, the perfect life, being involved in all the sports and activities and having the best grades. Someday, the kids will be raised and they'll be out of the house. The toys, the cars, and all the things we, had to, we just had to have, we're not going to be able to use them anymore because you're just not going to be able to. Right? He says, my flesh, our flesh and our heart will fail. These things aren't going to matter at some point. All the things we, we've based our envy around won't matter. But we'll be able to say what he says, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. I love how, how he ends this song. Verse 28. It says, but as for me, do you see that? He's coming full circle here. He started out saying, but as for me, I, I feel like there's this laundry list of things God's not doing in my life. My life isn't the way I thought it should be. As for me, things aren't working out, but he ends it and says, but as for me, it's good to be near God. It's good to be near God. I love that we have a God who's okay with our messy humanity. God, that he doesn't let go of our hands and we freak out in the store of life when things aren't working the way we, we thought they should. He allows us to go through that process. You know, he doesn't say, oh, well, hey, forget you. you you're having a bad attitude and you're, you're upset with me. He says, no, let's, let's go through this process so you can get to that point. God doesn't want robots. He doesn't want people who are just going to mindlessly assign ourselves to him. But when we go through that process, we get to the point we recognize, as for me, all I want is to be near God. That's what matters. I just want to be near God. My goal is not gains, it's God. Right? I think for so many of us, we, we kind of start out like this. You know, we have faith for something. Right? We come to God and we believe God, our expectations are that God's going to give us a great life. I, I want a good life, God. And I, I, I have faith that you're going to give me a good family. A faith, faith for a good marriage. You know, good kids good parking spot, whatever it might be. And he questions God when the things he's trusting for don't seem to happen in his time framing. He questions whether or not God is good. But now he's come to a place where he can say this, the end of verse 28, I have put my trust in the Lord God, and I will tell of all your deeds. Trust in God. He has his trust in a person, not for a thing. So no matter if things work out the way I had expected in life, if God gives me all the things I expected, even if those things don't happen, they don't happen in my time frame, I recognize that, God, I trust you. I trust that you are good. You're going to take care of me. 
and you're going to take me to glory when it's all over. You're good. I can trust you. The present was troubling. The present was troubling until I entered the presence of God. Because where we start determines what we see. If we start in the natural, if we start with our head down looking at all the stuff that's going on and our, our finances and our relationships and, and the culture we're living in, we're deeply troubled. But if we look up and we start in the presence of God, our circumstances may not change, but our outlook changes. Have you ever noticed this? Or sometimes there are people that maybe they have the same income level. They drive the same car. They, they have the, a similar family. Everything seems to be the same. And yet some people have incredible peace and joy. And others, they're, they're, they're discontent and they're envied and they're never satisfied. They might drive a better car than you. They might have a better job than you. But they're not satisfied. Because where we start determines what we see. If we start in the natural, everything, everything we see will never be enough. We'll get to that finish line and it'll be false. We'll say, just a little bit more. Just something else. But if we start in God's presence, it changes how we see everything. It changes our peace. Where we start determines what we see. Let me pray for us. Father God, thank you so much. God, thank you that we can be real with you. God, thank you right in the middle of Scripture. You put these incredible songs that are gut-wrenchingly honest. God, it's not all happy and everything's great and I, I, I'm never envious. I'm never going through something. God, I thank you that we can be real with you. God, we can come to you with all of our, our, our issues, all our junk. And God, you lead us through a process. You never, you never let go of our hand. You never let go of our hand, even when we act a fool. You're amazing. And God, we recognize that the best place for us to start is in your presence. That's what I want to lead us to. In these next few moments, the worship team is going to play, and we're going to have an opportunity to start in the presence of God. We're going to start this week. Before we go out these doors and we face what Monday morning brings, before we face what work brings or what our family brings, let's start in God's presence. Let's allow Him to speak to our hearts. Let's allow Him to fill us with the strength that we need, the perspective that we need. Just a few moments, that's what we're going to do. But as we're praying this morning, there may be some that, you know, if you're real honest, you're kind of disappointed. Because you had expectations on God. You, you expected... And maybe your expectations weren't even anything big. Maybe just, God, I just, I just expected a normal family. God, I just expected parents that said, I love you. I expected my family to stay together. I expected just to be able to pay for the bills and not be stressed out. You had just, just real low expectations, nothing real big. But if you're honest, you recognize, you know what, I've been, I've been trusting God for things, but I've never really put my trust in Him. You've never fully given your heart to God and allowed it to change your perspective. I want to give you an opportunity to do that this morning. You say, I need to surrender my life to Jesus. I need to make Him the Lord of my life. I don't want to do things on my own anymore. But God, I want you to lead my life. I'm just going to give you an opportunity. With everyone's eyes closed, you say, that's me. Would you just raise your hand and put it down so I know who I'm praying for? That's awesome. Anybody else? That's awesome. God bless you. They're on the side. They're in the back. God bless you. Here's what I want to do. Even if you didn't raise your hand, or maybe you're joining us online today, 
We're going to say a simple prayer. It's not a magic formula. But if it's the intentions of your heart, you're inviting God to be working in your life. So at this point, no one prays alone. I'm going to invite the congregation. Would you, would you pray this prayer along with me? Make it your own. Let's pray together. Follow after me. Father God, I give you my life. I'm sorry for going my own way, for choices that have hurt me and choices that have hurt you. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for my sins, to give me a new life. I receive you now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Father God, thank you so much. We thank you for what you're doing in our hearts, in our lives, and in our community. God, I pray that you would speak through us, God. You would use us. In Jesus' name, amen.